welcome to Black Armada Tales, an actual play podcast. My name is Josh Fox, my pronouns are he and him, and with me today at the top of the alphabet is... My name is Becky Anderson, and my pronouns are she and her. Okay, now I get it. Uh, my name's Ed Tomlinson, and my <laughs> pronouns are he, him. Hi folks, I'm still Nick Bate, my pronouns are also he, him. And I'm Sue Elliott, and my pronouns are she, her. That was the end of the alphabet. <laughs> we are playing Lovecraft Desk 2nd Edition. I have some exciting news for you guys, which is that I have produced a teaching guide. Oh, cool. Which we can now start to use. We could even go back and retroactively read out bits of the teaching guide splice in if we were so inclined. So, the next morning, I think it's the next morning, or, or mid-morning, early afternoon, I'm not sure when Jonathan gets out of bed, but at some point during your morning ablutions, you notice that a, uh, an envelope has been slid underneath the door into your room. Oh, interesting. Well, as I wipe the residual shaving foam from my handsome face, I go and retrieve the envelope. Is there anything... I, I look to see if there's anything written on it, on the outside of the envelope. Yes, it's got your name written on the on the front, and it's it's the the spa stationery. Right. So there's a little monogram in the in the top right corner, I guess, with the name of the spa. It's not sealed. Okay, let's have a look inside. There's a a note inside. It's just a single sheet of paper. It's it's quite nice paper. Again, hotel stationery, and it just says it's handwritten, and it says. Dr. Mason requests the honour of your presence in his offices 2pm today, and it's signed, Dr. Mason. I think, I think the handwriting is classically sprawly and also oversized, so if you imagine like lines, it would just be going over the lines because it's got that sort of like... Really kind of spidery. I'm really important and I can write really big. Mm. It's got that feel about it. His offices. Interesting. What time of day did you say it was sort of early afternoon now? Well, when does Jonathan get out of bed? Early riser or? He is not an early riser. <laughs> no. Unless like staying awake all night counts. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably getting on towards noon. He lets out a kind of sloppy yawn and puts the note in his trouser pocket grabs his jacket and I think he's going to go down to the breakfast room and see if he can grab something to eat and just waste a bit of time before his appointment with the doctor. Does anyone, Becky, we will shortly fast forward to the to the meeting with the doctor, but what what is breakfast like at the health bar? I think that depends on how much you pay to stay here. I think that if you pay a normal amount of money, then breakfast is one slice of toast cut into cut diagonally into four precisely equal pieces with a boiled egg and a slightly too small portion of butter, if you know what I mean. So like it's like just enough butter to 
unsatisfactorily butter the entire slice, leaving you <laughs> wanting just a tiny bit more as the scratchy dryness goes down your throat. Yeah, so you just got the centre bit and then it dries dries out as you get to the edge. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what it is. No jam, because that's not very healthy. But I think that if you are there and someone is paying a very great deal of money for you to be there, and I think this is the difference between people who are there for their health and people who are there to avoid a scandal. I see this as an establishment very much having these two classes of patron. <laughs> and I think if you are in the latter, the uh, class of patron, then it's kedgeree, devil kidneys, eggs three ways, sausages, bacon, toast, as much butter as you like, coffee with cream. I think, furthermore, the better class of patron are situated in a geographically distinct area, mm. so there's a kind of a raised area for them to sit in where the uh, the plebeians are uh, sat in rather less fancy accommodation lower down. And I think there's make, just a couple of makeshift barriers, but not enough to really... Everyone can see them eating really nice food. And not only can they see them, but the second the huge lids are taken off the platters, the smell of the... Yeah bacon and the devil kidneys and the kedgeree just well it just fills the entire dining room really it's making me hungry unfortunately <laughs> jonathan today you're not sure whether it's the time that you've arrived or some horrible administrative error but all that's available to you is the egg and the toast and they're not nearly enough butter <laughs> anyway some hours later <laughs> underfed you find your way to to uh, Dr. Mason's offices. Dr. Mason is the, the spa's physician. I don't suppose you've had call to to speak with him before? No, there was talk of a physical when I arrived, but I didn't really think that applied to me, so I just ignored it. <laughs> Quite right, too. I'm sure you've seen him, though, striding around the, the grounds with a purpose. So... The office is set up. It's set up a little, a little bit like a waiting room in the sense that there are chairs against the wall in the corridor outside a room that has a, a, a sort of ornate plaque on it. The shape vaguely reminiscent of the the one on the organ that just says Doctor Mason's name on it. Just says Doctor Mason. Are you on time or are you? I'm. I'm what I consider on time. So that's about <laughs> ten minutes late. Yeah. Okay. Right, okay. So when you come around the corner, the door to the office is open. And as you approach, you can see Mason inside, sitting at his desk in the room, writing notes in a, in a large notebook, big leather covers, in the, in the center of his desk. Uh, he's an older man. In, he's in his 50s, looks, looks very fit. Yeah, an active athletic man probably slightly intimidatingly large mm. he's probably about my father's age isn't he maybe he'd look somewhere around there possibly yep so i just i i tap on the open door and don't i don't wait for a response i just i just I walk in extending my hand <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't look up when you tap on the door and you're already sort of two paces in, and he says, uh, "Mr. Cochran, come in," and finishes what he's writing down on the on the notebook, and then folds it shut. 
and only then stands up to his kind of full height and, and reaches out a hand to shake yours. I hesitate just for a fraction of a second when I realise how statuesque he is. So I, I've i still got my hand out to the doctor and I say, Dr. Mason, it's a pleasure to meet you. I got your note. Yes, thank you, Mr. Cochran, for, for, for attending. I apologise for the short notice. Please, a seat. And he just kind of directs you to a to a seat in front of his desk. It's in front and to the side so that he could very easily come around and, for example, take your blood pressure. Right, yep. And assuming you take, do you take the seat? I do, yes. And yep. I get my, we established that he smokes, didn't we? Mm-hmm. So I get my cigarette case out. Um, you, you don't mind, do you? <laughs> I think he says, yes, in fact, I do. Strict non-smoking policy in the building. For the health of our patients, you understand. Oh, gosh. Okay. The hiff the air. Right. Well, yes. Yes, that makes sense. I, I, I always thought they were good for you. Well, never mind. I put my cigarettes back in my jacket. And so while you're having this conversation, Dr. Mason strides over to the door. And as you're kind of watching him go over, it's, it's then that it kind of, you just happen to notice that when you came into the room, there was there was like a little step up. So... It's not enough to be a stare, and you just strode over it without thinking about it. But now that you're looking back out at the hall, you can see this little little rise. And he swings the door closed. It makes a very heavy clunking sound as it swings shut. And then he, he walks back around and sits down in his chair, and he says to you, I understand that you had a, shall we say, unpleasant experience a couple of days backwards with one of the local fishermen? Oh, um... Yes, with, uh, with with Davy. Yes, terribly sad. Uh, that that poor man. Uh, yes, I hadn't really thought about it since. Um, did did they did they find anything out about the, the the gentleman? Oh, I'm sure I have no idea. I'm 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 inquiring after your health, your shall we say mental state. Are you feeling calm? Are you feeling distressed? Are you? And he opens up that notebook again. It's angled such that you can't see it, and he picks up a pen as if he's about to make notes. Uh, well, it was uh, highly unusual, uh, and obviously I, I felt terribly for the chap. I mean, I, I had nothing to do with it, um, so uh, it hasn't hasn't really. I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. I'm more bothered by that that draft in my room. It's really. I mean, I know the. I know you mentioned the air and all that, but the chap's got to have his comforts as well. Mason pauses and then writes a note down and says, "Hmm, yes, hmm," as he's doing it, like he's making listening sounds. There's something about this room that's starting to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like something doesn't feel quite right about the room. Since certainly since Mason shut the door, but Mason goes on to say. Yes, the draft. I understand you spoke to one of our staff at the front desk about you were hearing sounds. Yes, I well, I I th- there was some kind of sound, and it was something to do with the organ in the basement. It's malfunctioning or something. I was going to mention that to the staff as well. Mason says, "Yes, hmm, yeah." And the sound that you were hearing had how did how did that make you feel? Feel. Well, was it calming? No, it was bloody annoying, actually. 
I, I just couldn't, you know, it's it, it's like a mosquito, isn't it? It just, it won't leave you alone. They're very irritating, actually, now that you mention it. He makes his mm, yes, mm, sound again, but this, he, it's taken on a slightly displeased tone. Like, that's not the response he was hoping for when he said that. And he scribbles down another note. And the sound of the pen scratching across the notebook and indeed the sound of your own voice, just they strike you as particularly loud. Maybe it's just the agitation of, of the memory, but... Doctor, you wouldn't, you wouldn't happen to have a, a glass of water or anything, would you? I had some very dry toast for breakfast. And it's, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling a little peculiar. He looks at you for the first time since he sat down when you say, I'm feeling a little peculiar, and says, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll make sure to have some water sent up to your room as soon as we're done here. I, I just, if I can just ask you another question about the sound that you heard from the organ, you say? You, you went down to the organ? Yes, yes, I went down. Down to the base, the, the, the basement, the, the, whatever you call it. Is it hot in here? It feels hot. <laughs> His voice is also starting to sound a little bit loud and, and kind of kind of flat in the sense that it just sort of comes out of his mouth and then drops. And in fact, your voice is doing exactly the same thing. Did you touch the organ by any chance? Did you play the organ? Well, naturally, of, of course. <coughs> Excuse me. I <I've coughs> Yes, I, I did. I did touch the organ. It, it seemed to stop <coughs> what it, whatever it was doing. Can, you, you don't have any water here now. Uh, we'll get you some, some water as soon as we can. Just just a couple more questions, please, Mr. Cochran, and, and then we'll be able to send you on your way. We'll have something sent up to your room. D- did you play anything in particular when you touched the organ? No, no. Well, I, I mean, I am classically trained, of course, but no, just, just you know, notes, just notes, just notes. So, so no tune, no, no, nothing. I, I, no, I already said no tune. And how did how did that make you feel when you were playing those notes? But you really, what are you getting out of this? Honestly, I've I've answered all your questions so far. They're all about how I bloody feel. I was... uh, he makes the hmm yes hmm hmm <laughs> sound and writes a note, and then and says, "Well, well Mister Cochrane, we are of course a health spa. We are concerned." With your state of mind, it didn't provoke any feelings in you. The the notes that you chose to play. Well, they they. No sense of calmness. Calmness. No, no, absolutely not. No, it was it was more agitating than that. He sighs and says, "Hmm. Okay. Well, then, thank you, and and my sincere apologies for for." dragging you away from your day's activities. Can I suggest, perhaps, once you've had a chance to have a drink, a, a stroll around the grounds, the weather, take in some of the air? Yes. Um, and he gets up like he's not actually particularly interested in you anymore and walks over to the door and opens the door. And as it swings open, you realize what it was about the sound in here that was getting on your nerves so much when all of a sudden you hear noise from outside, like creaking floorboards and bubbling pipes. While the door was shut, it was just completely silent in here, except for the noise that the two of you were making. So the door's open, isn't it? 
I get I get up quite quickly out of my seat and walk past Dr. Mason, just saying, thank you, Dr. Mason, and walk out into the corridor and just start walking off. As you're walking down the corridor, he calls out, and a good day to you too, Mr. Cochrane. Stroll around the grounds. Yes, will do. Yes. I wait to hear the door close, and then I just stop and lean against the wall <laughs> just for a second and just rub my forehead slightly with my hand to see if I can clear my head a little bit. I think that's the scene. And I guess I should play my card uh, and then write up the, that was the clue. Ace. I enjoyed that a lot. Excellent scene. Oh, good. So the card I'm going to play is this one here, Strange Sensations. And Strange Sensations could include Unexpected Silence. Nice. So... The clue is indeed the, the 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 complete silence in the in Doctor Mason's office. Absolutely cool. Are we including the sort of feeling of discomfort, or is that just part of the interview process? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I, my impression, and, and you can let me know if you felt otherwise, Sue, but was that that was Jonathan's reaction to the the sudden lack of sound? Not yeah. okay. So it's sort of the feeling of pressure on you from the soundlessness. Yeah. I think so. The clue I've jotted down is complete silence in Dr. Mason's office when the door is closed. And now, fears and rationalizations. Okay, so about 45 minutes later, Jonathan is sat on a bench outside by the sea writing a postcard to his papa. So, dear papa, enjoying my holiday in inverted commas. The spa is... In inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling more myself every day, or at least I'm, I'm sure I will once I can get a full night's sleep. I met Dr. Mason today. Very imposing chap. I think he might be one of those head doctors. <laughs> Had some kind of... This is a really long postcard, isn't it? Um, it's, just really, it's on its fifth postcard at this point. Very small handwriting. Like a folding concertina postcard. Yeah, let's call it, call it a letter. It would have been a productive meeting, I am sure, had, were I not suffering from a bout of indigestion from an inadequate breakfast. Nice. <laughs> Can't complain, though. Lots of love. Jonathan. I nearly called him Jeremy then. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Bertie. <laughs> it's the lots of love crossed out with best regards. Best regards, yes. <laughs> Firm handshake. <laughs> Jonathan. Jonathan is such a good name for a Lovecraftian yeah. lead. Well, it's redolent of Jonathan Harker, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I guess that's it, yeah. I'm enjoying this character a lot, I have to say. He's sort of likeable and unlikable at the same time. Yeah! It's a lovely, it's mm. a lovely mix. It's great. I did give him a big Bertie energy in that yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Bertie energy. <laughs> cool, so now we've got to lead to conclusions. Mm. Yeah, I'm already done. I, I don't know. This has thrown me a little bit, actually, I'll be honest. I've already done as well. I don't know how to bring in any of the characters that I've not already have not been mentioned yet. It's lined my... up nicely with my theory. You're welcome, Becky. 
Right, so about this alphabet thing, where are we with the alphabet and who's doing the, what next? And Right, so the last person to be the narrator was Nick and the witness was Sue. That means that the next person to be the narrator is Sue and the witness, therefore, must be Becky. Simple as. Oh, we crossed the alphabet dateline there. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we've done. That's what confused me. Jonathan finds himself in the town of Whitby and he's ended up outside Whitby Library. Hmm, Lordy, this doesn't sound like the sort of place I'd normally go to. (laughs) It's open. It's a large stone building, quite imposing, with iron railings outside. You can't really make out what it's like inside. There's big, big, heavy wooden doors that are shut, but it's got a little plaque with its opening hours on, and you can see that it's currently open. The front of the library faces in the direction of the seafront, and as a result, perhaps the railings are somewhat corroded by the salty sea air, and the stone is slightly pockmarked. Nice. Well, this isn't my usual sort of hangout, but I'm here to try and become a better man. So I'd better go inside and maybe, I don't know what people do in here, sort of, I'll ankle myself along the stacks and see if anything leaps out at me as making me a more worthy person if I read it. So you make your way inside. There is a a little kind of reception, or front desk rather, not a reception, there's a young woman behind there doing something, doing some filing. There is no one else in the library. It's quite dark in here. It's quite a kind of heavy atmosphere. There appears to be three levels to it. It's quite a big place. So there's this sort of main area with the front desk and some bookshelves. There seems to be a, a set of stairs going down and what looks like a kind of study area up a spiral staircase upstairs as well. I think I will go to the reception desk because you said there was a, a, a young person there and I'll say, hello. Oh, good good afternoon. Can I help you, sir? Yes, I'm just uh, staying up at the hotel and looking for some light reading material. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I don't suppose you've got a copy of, I don't know, the Strand magazine or something like that? All of our magazines and, and periodicals you can find on uh, that shelf over there. But so you're, you're a visitor to Whitby. Yes, that's right. Well, we, we, we do have quite a good collection in the reference library on uh, Whitby history, if that would be any interest to you. Oh, why not? I had a very strange trip out to the lighthouse the other day with Davy. Have we got anything on the lighthouse? Oh, well, to be honest, I'm probably not the one to ask. You should really ask uh, Mrs. Honey. Uh, she's quite the expert in this area. She, I think she is down in the reference library at the moment. If you just go down down the aisle and, and to the, down the stairs directly in front of you, uh, she should be there somewhere. Thank you very much. I'll do that. We'll keep that copy of the Strand magazine back for me as well, though, just in case. Yes, I will do, sir. Thank you. I shall do that. I will pop down and try and find Miss Honey in the um, reference section. 
so if you thought this level was quite dingy and dark, the reference section has a real crypt-like feel to it. It's not... Upstairs was kind of quite dark, but it had that sort of nice book smell. Down here, it's not a nice smell. It's a bit damp and a bit... It's making the, the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. It's a little bit cobwebby, even. The lights, the, the there are gas lights down here, but they're few and far between, and it's it they they it's casting a really not much light at all. It doesn't seem to travel. When you do see round the bits of light, you see that there are sort of odd, intricate patterns of shells that someone has sort of placed in the wall. Oh, nice. And the carpet underfoot is oddly unpleasant. It's like walking on moss. Your foot sinks into it like spongy feeling underfoot, like it's moist. But it can't be, it's a carpet. Anytime anyone describes anything as spongy, it really gives me the shit. Moist and spongy moss. Moist and spongy. It's got all the words there. <laughs> so I think at this point, Jonathan's going to be seriously considering his life choices that have led him into this really pretty rank place. But not to be deterred, he is going to call out, uh, Miss Honey? There's just, just the sound of your own voice reverberating off the walls. It feels like there's no one else in here. I think I'm feeling quite tempted to grab the first thing that my hand falls on, book that my hand falls on, and run back upstairs and call it good. (laughs) Okay, you run back up. The, The library assistant is quite nearby, actually, quite close to the top of the stairs, putting some books away with her little book trolley. And... She says, "Oh, oh, that was quick. Uh, did you find anything? Uh, did you, you did you talk to Mrs. Honey?" No, I couldn't find Mrs. Honey. I did call out for her. Oh, that's a sh- oh, you must have just missed her. I'm so sorry. Would you like to check that book out, though? Yes, thank you. I look to see what it is, and <laughs> I've swiped. It's a quite a sort of tatty old hardback book quite a slim volume and on the front it says members of the brotherhood of physicians whitby 1632 <laughs> mm. so uh, yes this is the yes the library assistant goes oh God. gosh i'm not even sure if this is supposed to be down there it's Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. Um, I'll issue you a, a, a temporary library card if you could return it before you leave. Oh with yes, me, yes, obviously. Thank you. So she, um, yeah, she she checks out the book for you, and uh, yeah, you're left with this slim volume. Goodness me! What are we going to do with this? I will. Um... I will put it inside my breast pocket of my jacket, since it's a slim volume. I'll just pop it in there, 
probably forget about it. Uh, and I will go to the periodical section and see if they've got anything worth my time. Okay. In the periodicals, they they don't have a huge amount there. Feel free to ask the whisperers a question if you have one to see. Okay. Uh, how about a couple of titles? Is there any bizarre little uh, journals or anything Ooh. in this section? Haberdashery do's and don'ts. <laughs> Issue 34. Ether for beginners. <laughs> Is that ether A-E-T-H-E-R or ether E-T-E-T-H-E-R? Because I feel like that's, that's two very different publications. Ether as in the mysterious... I missed the spelling. They sounded like the same spelling to me. Uh, I, I think the A-E... Uh, spelling is it strictly a role playing? Is yeah, it? It's, it's the same thing. Ether, ether. Back in the day, was like a mysterious thing that could explain stuff. That yeah, they both spell E T H. Oh no, that's not very helpful, is it? So yeah, so it's a periodical. So, so it'd be like know. Ether Enthusiast Weekly or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Bentley's Miscellany. Oh, lovely! And that one's forty years old. <laughs> I will definitely, definitely crack open Bentley's miscellany. Oh, no. What's even... I mean... What is it in a miscellany? Yeah, it kind of of answers its own question, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I like to imagine it as being a sort of Victorian 14 times. Although maybe the 14 times is Victorian, I don't know. Sound of a thousand voices suddenly Googling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So it's... (laughs) <laughs> I've I've created a rabbit hole I didn't intend to. It was an actual thing that actually existed, and Oliver Twist was published in it. Oh, in so, yeah, apparently. What? That's amazing. But so you've cracked open Bentley's miscellany. I have. I don't even know what I'm doing in here anymore. I feel like I'm just like pretending to read this so that I can leave after a reasonable period of time and without looking too weird. Without looking like I just came in, grabbed the first book I found on the shelves, and then freaked out and then ran out again. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, when you're you, you're kind of flipping through this periodical, and yeah, you realise that that the book is like next to you. You don't remember it taking it out of your jacket, but it's just next to you now. Hmm. Oh, my- don't want to forget this because it's been issued to me on a temporary library card now. So if I forget it, I'm going to be in deep trouble. Another scandal to flee from. Another scandal <laughs> to flee from my life. So I guess I'll just keep one hand on it so that I don't forget to take it with me. And I'll leave it. I'll try and guess, guesstimate about a good 15 minutes of reading Bentley's miscellany. Just before Cochrane leaves... I think that he is going to just flick through and thumb open the book to a random page. The book falls open at a a kind of copper plate etching of a kind of a small group of gentlemen. It's sort of quite, well, maybe for the time, quite sort of good clothes. They're obviously quite well-to-do gentlemen. One of them looks ex- very familiar to you. The names underneath, so you read the names underneath the illustration, one of which 
is Dr. Robert Mason, co-founder of the Brotherhood of Physicians, Whitby. And this is in the 1600s, isn't it, this book? Yes. Oh man, I came off mute just to make that noise. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) There's a kind of border around the etching as well with this kind of like interesting, unusual, like geometric pattern that you feel like you've seen somewhere else. Mmm, I like it. And you make your way out of the library. Clutching my book. And your temporary library card. And my temporary library card. Scene. Boom. Boom. Fears and rationalisations. Rationalisations? I can do rationalisations. I think that uh, Johnny Cochran would be thinking to himself, gosh, that looks an awful lot like my Dr Mason. Maybe it's a great, 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 great grandfather or something. His family must have been living in Whitby a very long time. Well, rationalised. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like Whitby's got a history of immortals turning up or anything. Total disaster for my conclusions. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Total disaster. I, I can't remember. What my it's great for mine. <laughs> Sue and I are of one psychic mind, I think, here. Oh my god, it's perfect for mine. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Black Armada Tales. We've been playing Lovecraft Desk 2nd Edition by Josh Fox and Becky Anderson. Lovecraft Desk will be coming to a crowdfunding platform near you later this year. You can also find the first edition on blackarmada.com and if you'd like to keep an eye out for the second edition, you may want to sign up to the Black Armada mailing list. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. See you next time. Did any of you tune into Mira's sleep meditation? I listened to a few minutes of it because I was like, is this really <laughs> and then what fell asleep? Did? And then fell asleep. No, and then I had I stopped because I the decorator asked me a question. <laughs> <laughs> Same sort of No, what was the deal? Was it was it like soothing? So it's, it, it, <laughs> so you know remember that Dalek meditation tape? Please tell me you've seen the Dalek I think meditation. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, so basically it's a Dalek. You going, will relax, relax. Breathe in. Your tension is being exterminated. <laughs> Exterminated! Uh, which was obviously very brilliant. And I think Mira watched that. I said like, She oh. said she was thinking of doing some sci-fi and fantasy-themed meditations. And so I said, bit late. It's already been sewn up by the Daleks. And sent her the Dalek one and said, this is super cool, you should watch this sort of thing. And she did. And she's like, you know what, the, you know what else is needed now after <laughs> I've seen that Dalek one? A Horus Heresy meditation tape. Yeah, so she's done one based on, like... Horus Rising or something? It's it's one of the novels. And from from what I could deduce from listening to the first half of the meditation tape before I fell asleep was the um it's it's you're evidently it's evidently set in some part of the universe where Horus Heresy era Horus followers Space Brains have gone off somewhere and got into it like a space-time pocket somehow. So they still think that it's okay to be loyal to the Emperor and also the Chaos Gods. 
so that that's that, and then but the meditation is very it's it's quite calming it's not uh <laughs> it's not very dalecky it's kind of like you know you're getting into your cryopod and you're uh, she, she she obviously knows more about space marines than i do she names <laughs> the imp, the implant that would regulate sleep for a space marine and you, you, you can hear your your fellow brother astartes wait wait <laughs> this could go somewhere totally different here. <laughs> yeah totally right but yeah it was it was good it was very nerdy i mean you can get warhammer scented candles and and bathrobes i think so it's, no. it's only logical no she was wearing a space marine dressing gown yeah so pretty sweet <laughs> i want one of those <laughs> too, much, too much merch in one one screen maybe just in case anybody didn't realise we were nerds. <laughs> Sue's been completely silent during just yeah, throughout. Just keeping so, her yeah. non-nerd credibility <laughs> intact. Sue's too good for all of us. I'm sorry, my my nerd credentials aren't aren't great. They're not up there with yeah. you guys. She's she's squinting at a list of edgy rock bands that she wants to check out uh, next week. <laughs> Yeah. You've got great board game nerd credentials, Sue. And comic nerd credentials. And comics, yeah. <laughs> Just, not Just missing the big hitters like, you know, Doctor Who. It's probably Nick, Star Wars. Nick doesn't well. watch Doctor Who either. No, not really. Well, I had a podcast I had a podcast plan for a mate of mine who is a Doctor Who aficionado and I got ITVX in order to watch them from the beginning and like do a podcast episode where I ask stupid questions about Doctor Who <laughs> to a, po- a Doctor Who expert while watching the entire back catalogue. But I can't get I can't get them to turn up. They're too busy travelling in time and space, Aww. I suspect. But that would be a good podcast, right? Me asking That'd them questions yeah. about podcast. Doctor Who. You should do that with me. Should we, should we just... Are you a Doctor Who expert? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. You have to be an expert... Well, it's well, like the, the idea is somebody that knows about Doctor Who and somebody that doesn't know about Doctor Who and they talk about the episodes that they watch. Okay. Well, that's quite interesting. Yeah, you could you could do a different pairing each week. Yeah. Yeah, we, or, yeah. so I was going to go... I was originally going to do it with Star Trek The Next Generation. And, I mean, there's loads of Star Trek aficionados who could answer a lot of questions that I don't know about Star Trek. Is it- We've been doing this work um, in the office where that has involved developing five models. And my boss has been saying over and over again, there are five models. <laughs> and every time he says it. You want to shout it back in. <laughs> How do you contain yourself? I, I usually, usually I just drop GIFs into the into the chat on the side. of yeah. That's John Luke Picard doing the Romulan yeah. thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, so the Romulans, I thought it was the Cardassians. Ah uh, yeah, it's a Cardassian. Cardassian it's Goldie Card. Yeah. yeah, those Cardassians are everywhere these days. Aren't yeah, they? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So there's a couple of bits which I would know and I would recognise, but again, it would just be, you know, discussions about why Wesley's such a knob. Things. So, so just to be clear though, Ed, are you saying you have not watched most of this stuff? Yeah, I haven't or watched just it. that you're not deep into it enough to really be an aficionado? So with Doctor Who, I quite like the lore, so I know I've read a bit about it, but I've never watched it. So I like the idea of the Time Lords and the regeneration and the different actors playing the role, so I know a bit about that. 
And obviously, yeah. I know about the theme music in Delia Derbyshire because I've got loads of her CDs because she's ace. She is. Um, but I haven't watched a lot of them. I haven't watched a lot of the new ones. And with Star Trek The Next Generation, I watched the movie and I watched a few of my dad and my brother when I was younger, but that's about as... So I haven't watched the first series. I haven't watched anything after it. I've watched a few of the TNG. So Nick put his hand up, which I assume means he wants to elaborate on your creepy description. <laughs> no, I need to make a very important correction, uh, which if this ever makes it into the podcast, you must include, Josh. Not Gul Dukat, Gul Lamech. It's a different Cardassian. I was wrong the first time. They don't all look the same. Well, yeah, Dukat yeah. wouldn't be like torturing someone. Well, get someone not. else to do it. What? Anyway, it's Gul Lamech. He's too busy over on Bajor, isn't he? Yeah, he is too busy. With all that shenanigans. Yeah. Trying to hunt down Kira Nerese. Sue knows stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know my Star Trek. <laughs> we got her in. We tricked her to yeah. prove that she is actually she's a nerd. She's a nerd. And you did it in the best way possible by making a subtle mistake <laughs> and waiting for Sue to correct Dude, Well, actually, well, some yeah. misalignment of some <laughs> engine system somewhere. I can't, I can't leave it. I feel like my my world got um, kind of immeasurably better when I just started thinking of anybody who likes anything as an ex-nerd and particularly sports fans. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. They're just a bunch of nerds. It's just a different family. Rest in peace was the ultimate football nerd, right? He's the the king of the football nerds. Oh, Motson. Yeah, like he's like the he's like Stato from fantasy football. I only really know Motson through Rory Bremner's impression of him. Like I don't think I've actually ever heard any John Motson that was him and not someone doing an impression of him. It's exactly the same. Oh, fine. <laughs> he he literally would not talk about anything else but football for his entire life, pretty much. That's it's kind of my my dad. I hope you're not listening, Dad. But uh, in the house I grew up in, we he had a um, we'd go to the football every week, and he'd keep the the football programs. And in the program, you would write down the the scores as they happened, like who who scored and when and at what time. And he would keep them in a big stack in the bathroom, and he would just go and reminisce about games of football. You know, twenty wow. years ago, um, he could flip open that page and then and then you know remember that particular goal or. Wow. You know what sequence of it's yeah. That is very cool. Wildly impressive. One wonders what he could have done had he used that part of his brain for something else. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. My dad is a lovely, lovely man. <laughs> right. Exactly. I feel like there's several things wrong with conceptualizing it as a football nerd because I think that part of being a nerd is being kind of in a minority, having an, a, a strong and passionate interest in something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just being extremely into a thing so that you knew more than the average person about it. Yeah, well, I guess the... that's the thing, right? The average person. So the average the average football supporter would not be like writing down the time of the score and buying all the Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, I buy that. There's like a, a sort of train spotter like quality to an extreme football supporter, but but the, like I would separate that from, I think if you like role-playing at all, you qualify as a nerd just by virtue of liking it. Whereas if you like football, you you don't. 
basically you have to be quite into but it this is the yeah i guess this is the point is that is that we make that distinction precisely because being fans of role-playing games put us in a minority but i don't i don't think that for at least for a lot of the people that i play these games with the degree to which they in this 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 set of people is is an outlier <laughs> the my my monday crew you know they like to role play but they don't spend much time doing anything else doing anything in the hobby when they're not playing a game with me on a monday what do they spend their time and doing so, then for god's sake <sighs> what else is probably there? going what? to the football i don't what? know <laughs> So and I yeah I I could see like logically I agree with you that therefore I guess I guess what you seem to be saying is they're not really nerds about role playing. No, I I'm I'm going in the opposite direction. I'm saying they're absolutely nerds about role playing, and so are the guys who gather around the water cooler at, at the office and talk about the game that they watched on the guys was the wrong word to use there. People, well, that's a, it, no, that's you're 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 drawing the bar too low. Because if you draw the bar that low, it just means anybody who likes anything is a nerd. Precisely. That's well, exactly my point. The world that makes is it a full useless of word. nerds. Oh, I agree it's full of nerds. Like, yeah. But I think I would draw, I would set the bar higher and say you have to be actively like a serious enthusiast who's quite, you know, into the detail of something. I do you like the word enthusiast? I would be happy to ditch nerd and use the word enthusiast. But then you'd have to say, what's up, enthusiasts? <laughs> I'll do that. The, I think the benefit for me is that it just means that I am, maybe am inclined to react to people who get excited about something that I don't really give a shit about a bit differently than I might do otherwise. Now I'm like, oh, hey, cool. You're being a nerd. This is great. No, well, I, I don't love that. But... Mm. And I think that's a great way to think about it. I don't want to stop you thinking about it that way. <laughs> the reason why I don't think about it that way is because, like, having grown up in britain and felt the kind of peer pressure to be interested in football all the time it's kind of like you're if you don't like football if you're a boy in a british school who doesn't like football you are an oppressed minority baby australia is precisely the same right so so they i i feel like however it is a working class game and if you like rugby (coughs) then you're definitely rich and posh and looking (laughs) down on everyone else (laughs) having gone to a grammar school that didn't play football you should totes get Will Wheaton to read the the playing guide, mm. and then everyone can just press play. On Mate, if I could get Will Wheaton to do anything to do with Lovecraft Desk, then I will be <laughs> possibly a millionaire. I don't know. But... Will, if you're listening to this, mm? big fan of Wesley Crusher, any chance that you might <laughs> read the teaching guide for us? Who's Wesley Crusher? He's <laughs> one of the characters in Doctor Who. You'll yeah. find out in my new podcast. <laughs> <laughs>